Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Hello, dear listener. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Rafael Honigstein, and the other guy is Christoph Biermann. We are super happy for you to join us back after a bit of a break, uh, Christoph and I. Uh, German a, football. A bit of a break. Uh, a short break, yes. Um, uh, how, how short, actually? <laughs> well, we, we had to work on the new concept, which is so different yes. from the old one, uh, which is totally why we needed, yeah, needed a bit of time. But uh, anyway, thanks for joining once more. Um, we will do things slightly different than uh, in Steyrcast. But, of course, we will be talking a lot of German football, Bundesliga, also the national team. Also, there is apparently a World Cup coming on in the next uh, couple of weeks or so. And we'll be doing special episodes on that. We will be doing special episodes because, full stop. Because some of us are actually going there. Some of I, us I mean, are going. 50, 50% of 50%. us are. Yeah, which is also means that 50% are not going. That is yeah. actually... Pretty I, I, high. I mean, am I boycotting it? Um, not going. I don't know. I don't know either, Christoph. But I think we'll have we we'll have lots of time to talk about that. So beer and honey will be free, but we will have special podcasts that will be exclusive to supporters. Supporters who will, as the word suggests, support our little podcast. We will explain a little bit later how you can do that. But uh, just keep in mind that uh, we're doing this for you, but we need a bit of help because there's no huge um, media giant uh, backing us this time. It's more like, um, how shall we say, the Falfel Bochum of, uh, of podcasts. Uh, not in terms of quality, but maybe in terms of finances. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Vorfeld Bochum had, 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 a, had a pretty decent season uh, when we're not, we were not doing a podcast. Yeah. I that's mean, maybe we're to only, blame. Yes, and, and, and I probably are also to blame, and that's here comes my conspiracy theory. I think we, we, we could have started earlier, maybe. But I think uh, in some way you wanted to wait until Bayern is back on top of the Bundesliga. And that happened, happened this weekend. This weekend, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know if, if there is a conspiracy, but of course, unless Bayern are top of the Bundesliga, it's not really the Bundesliga. So maybe <laughs> um, it was you know the right time, as you said, Christoph, now that uh, business as usual has resumed at the top of the table to to start our uh, Bundesliga podcast, which is a you know a great um, a great start. Of course, um, we still might have a title race of sorts, but shall we talk a little bit about Bayern uh, in the beginning? I don't think we need to go too much into detail because they are winning, which is expected of them. They played reasonably well against Hertha. I had a side that um, 
seem to be very happy with their performance, which is a bit of a theme, and maybe we'll talk about that later, Christoph. Um, it seems to me that everyone in Bundesliga is saying, we're playing really, really well. And then someone is saying, yeah, but we just don't quite get the points that we deserve, but we're playing really, really well. And I don't think there's any team in the Bundesliga that is saying, actually, we're not playing well at the moment, and that's why we're really terrible. Um, but that's just by the by. Uh, Bayern went into a 3-0 lead. Eric Maxim Chupomoting scored two goals that Gerd Müller would have pr- been proud of. Uh, certainly the second one, where he tried to hit it with his right and actually hit it with his left as he was falling. And uh, that's now eight and seven for him. And uh, Jamal Muziala, of course, who is maybe the best player in the Bundesliga who's not called Jude Bellingham and Christopher Nkunku at the moment. Um, up for debate, of course. So here's my question to you, Christopher, somebody who's slightly more impartial than me. Have you seen anything new from Bayern in recent weeks that have turned things around? Or is this just Bayern scoring all the goals that perhaps they were missing in that uh, short run? Uh- But you, as an as a Bayern expert, I mean, it was uh, yeah great to see Chupu uh, um, Muting scoring uh, Müller goals and and this kind of stuff. But um, um, what actually happened to Bayern uh, in recent weeks? Because uh, did they turn things round, or? Uh, Were there just a lack of concentration that we already had seen the season before when they were almost German champion and then started to uh, throw away the season? Uh, what's your your interpretation of what happened uh, in the, the first part of the season of Bayern so far? I think there haven't been any big changes, but they were probably a little bit unlucky in some of those games that they only drew and lost in terms of the chances that they didn't score. I think having Maxim Chupomating up front does help. I think it makes it easier for the Bayern team to function because we've often had situations where among the four forwards in that 4-2-2-2-2 system, they're not quite yet in tune enough for someone to know, okay, this guy goes right and I need to go left, this guy comes short and I need to go deep. If you have a slightly more orthodox striker, I think those problems don't arise and it's easier than to rotate players without losing that uh, connection. Um, So that's another small difference. I think also Nagelsmann has has changed a little bit. I think he's realized that he needs to explain things more to his players. I'm not talking so much about the tactics, but getting them on board with his big decisions. You know, he has to rotate a lot. He has to keep everyone happy. He was surprisingly, I think, shy when it came to really opening up with his players and and having more of a dialogue. And that's something that you heard from within the dressing room and that's changed a little bit at least. And I think there's some individual issues, you know, somebody like Serge Gnabry who's been going through a bad spell is suddenly playing really well again. Sadio Mane looks refreshed. And yeah, you know, this is a Bayern team that can easily win all 34 games in the Bundesliga. 
Yeah. And when if they, they if they want or if they want to <laughs> yeah. And when they have four bad games you feel like oh you know there's something really wrong and it's all horrible but yeah, uh, I but, think but it was you, more you, a statistical freak actually uh, freak event that they didn't win four games in a row than anything else. Initially at the beginning of the season the the theory was They are freed from Lewandowski. Now everybody can express themselves. And they started with this fantastic win at, at Frankfurt, scoring six. And, and, and I don't know, three weeks later, they went to Bochum, scoring seven. And, and so it looks like, ah, the big liberation. Not everybody has to work for this fantastic goal tally of Robert Lewandowski, but now um, they can uh, do their things. And then... They seem to have lost it. Um, uh, so, so is it was it just a case of bad luck, or was it really a case of change of strategies? Now we have a target man again. So, what what is it? Yeah, it's a it's a bit of both. I think the target man it does help. It does help you with having that reference point, and I think it brings a bit more clarity to the games of of the players behind him. They. They know, I think they understand their roles a little bit better, knowing there is this guy ahead of them. Although, interestingly enough, Julian Nagelsmann was making the point again and again that, that Chupomoting himself is not a real orthodox nine because he likes to go deep, he likes to link up. So it's almost as if he wants to show that the initial idea that you can play without the number nine is still alive and doing well, <laughs> even though Chupomoting is playing there. But I think we can see from the outside that Bayern does benefit from from having a guy up there who let's face it is not going to be is not the best center forward in the world probably not the best center forward in the league but scores goals because Bayern creates a lot of chances and sometimes you just need somebody to be there um especially as as he was at Hertha where probably anyone can score these goals if they are in that position but you have to take up that position in the first place. So I think that's something that that Nagelsmann realized. And the interesting question, I think, going forward is, does that actually now change Bayern's thinking? Because there was a big cultural debate when Lewandowski was sold in the boardroom. Some people saying Bayern Munich has to have a big number nine. It doesn't have to be necessarily tall, but a proper number nine because that's how we've played the last I don't know 40 years give or take and this is how the team works and Nagelsmann was saying no no we can do without we'll have a bit more fluidity a bit more flexibility and my thinking is that with every goal that you're promoting scores he basically says to Bayern you need to get somebody else in um, not <laughs> <Yeah>. necessarily me <laughs> um, I will still be there I think he will get a contract extension because he's so valuable as a backup. But I think he's going to be the backup again next season when somebody else comes in. Um, you were talking about freak results. And I think we had a freak result uh, this Sunday. And, um, and it led to this reaction. There wasn't actually no bright side for uh, for Union at Leverkusen because they lost 
5-0. If you'd predicted that result, um, you would have been, I would have, you'd have my respect. Yeah, yeah. You would have and, made a lot and everybody, but I mean, it, maybe there is somebody out there who, who, who d doesn't know anything about football or who had been away for, let's say, some years and haven't heard about Union Berlin. Yeah, someone's in been Bundes in a coma and they wake up and they say, okay, Leverkusen yeah. are playing Union Berlin. Union oh, yeah, Berlin are probably exactly. third division. So 5-0. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so right. uh, freak result. It's Leverkusen scored 23% of their goals in this season in this game. But it's even better with um, uh, Union Berlin because they conceded 36% of all goals this season. I mean, uh, it's five out of 14. It, it's crazy. And the uh, first four uh, shots, uh, first five shots of Bayer Leverkusen, four were goals. So um, uh, it was a a terrible uh, day for Union Berlin. Yeah, crazy stuff. I mean, you'd rather concede five in one game, I guess, than one in five each. But still, uh, I mean, Urs Fischer seemed, for, for somebody who doesn't show that much emotion, <laughs> I think it seemed a little bit shell-shocked. And he called it, uh, what did he say, but kids football, basically? Yeah, youth um, football. Yeah, yeah saying... We were open, we were immature. And I mean, watching the highlights, it is crazy because you never see an Union team basically open up and having 60 no. meters between no, the defense and the attack. <laughs> and you're thinking, what's happened to this team? They kind of lost their heads, didn't they? Yeah, um, exactly. And But I, I, I think they were actually tired. Uh, and not not their legs because still uh, they ran four kilometers more than uh, Bayer Leverkusen, but um, mentally they were not concentrated because exactly what you were describing these <laughs> oceans of space for for Bayer Leverkusen. I mean that was uh, um, hilarious in a way because that is so anti Union Berlin. So that's. Something I, I mean, I, 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 I don't know if I, if I can remember any situation like this all season, and then you have it twice in 10 minutes or so. And uh, yeah, um, it's uh, yeah, it's um, but but I think these long weeks with um, with international football. Um, Union qualified for for the this uh, uh, round where they play against a team from the Champions League. I, I think it was mentally tiring uh, uh, for them and, when they, uh, they they beat the Belgians in the in the famous Union derby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they they. Uh, I mean, in in typical fashion, they they had six games uh, in this uh, Euro League, and. Uh, in the six games, there were six goals. Uh, they lost twice, 1-0, and they won four times 1-0. So, I mean, again, this 5-0 at Leverkusen is a, is a, is a freak result. Uh, I, I saw some reactions um, probably uh, on Twitter, probably from Hertha um, fans who were dreaming of uh, 
that now Union is is a kind of uh, folding together, <laughs> and it's so it's a start of a long decline, and uh, they end up uh, wherever in the second division or so. Um, I, I think uh, they were actually a bit overvalued by by the table uh, because um, they scored a lot of goals from uh, very few goal chances. And, and if you look at the gap between expected goals and actual goals, it was, uh, I think they scored 10 or so more. You could see that there were, it was not this sustainable thing, but but I think um, uh, they won't drop out of sight in in, in, in a short time. And probably they uh, will already recover against Augsburg um, on Wednesday. Uh, and now we have a new feature in the Beer and Honey podcast. It's called Learning Fußball Deutsch with Beer and Honey. Yeah, as a as a public service broadcaster of, of some sort, uh, we want to educate, not just entertain, which is why we will give you a German football expression every week and explain it. And this week's expression, Christoph, is... Bayernjäger. Okay, Bayernjäger. What does that mean, Christoph? Bayernjäger is... Would you translate it in Bayern Hunter, yeah? Yeah? The one who hunts Bayern, and um, I, I think it's a it's a concept uh, that comes out comes up in countries <laughs> where every time the same team wins a championship or or very very often wins it. In Germany, that's the case with the famous FC Bayern from Munich, and because they are always top on the of the table or very often top of the table. Um, there's always a, a team where everybody is hoping that they can hunt them and uh, how, how, what, what do you do? That not shoot them or or put them on the wall or whatever, but uh, who win instead? Catch so up with them, yeah. Catch up with them. I mean, no so, one really hunts Bayern because Bayern are the apex predator, uh, top <laughs> of the food chain. So they are... Yeah. They are hunting everyone else, really. But uh, yes, when it comes to the table, when it comes to catching up with them, Bayernjäger is the sort of unofficial accolade that a lot of clubs don't want because they say, no, no, we're not the Bayernjäger. They're the Bayernjäger. We're just concentrating on ourselves. We have a lot of difficult games. We want to finish fourth or whatever. And uh, it's often defined as something that people want to be associated with. No, no, it's not us, not us, not us, the Bayern Liga. Uh, maybe apart from Borussia Dortmund, because they are the kind of official number two of, of German football. They also, they, they are, they they want to be the Bayern Jäger and they are in a way the Bayern Jäger, but not, not really, not very successfully. <laughs> to 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 be honest, but and and I'm wondering. I mean, is there a similar expression? Probably, obviously not in in England, but maybe is there a Bayern, a, a Paris Saint Germain hunter in in France, or I don't know in 
in, in other countries, in Portugal or in in Greece. Hmm. So, well, if so there is, if, please send us, uh, send us yeah. uh, some suggestions to our uh, Twitter accounts uh, at Honigstein and at CH Biermann, uh, and then we will uh, discuss them in next week's episodes. But in the meantime, Christoph, is it time to crown a new Bayernjäger now that Unjona finished? Is SC Freiburg the official Bayernjäger? Discuss. They beat Köln, which doesn't say a lot these days, but still, Ooh. they're second. Yeah, but, but, but I mean, Typical case of a, a, a club that doesn't want to be the Bayern Jäger. I mean, if if you would tell Christian Streich, hey, ah, he would you're love the of, he, you're, you're the official Bayern Jäger. He he would he would um, he would tear his hair out or or take take a take a gun and shoot whoever asked that question. Yeah. But but I tell you who the Bayern Jäger is. Who is the Bayern Jäger? RB Leipzig. Well, they should be, but. I looked at the table the other day and they're not that close. They are actually six points away. Well, it's not impossible. Um, I think they're playing Bayern at home in January, which is still part of this half of the Bundesliga because um, for anyone who's got OCD, I think really annoying, the Bundesliga breaks before all 17 games are played in the first half. But but, but I tell you why... um Why, why I think that RB Leipzig is uh, the Bayern Jäger. I, I think that uh, Marco Rosa really turned things around uh, for them. I mean, uh, if you look, he he um, he had one defeat in his in his first away game at Mönchengladbach, and then he had um, uh, and he had two two draws and five wins in the Bundesliga, and also four wins in the Champions League. Including uh, the one against Real Madrid, where Real Madrid lost for the first time this season, so that was uh, very impressive. And I, I think he, I mean, he showed for himself, or he showed the world that he is obviously a very good coach, um, because um, he uh, uh, took over from uh, Domenico Tedesco, and and things didn't work uh, uh, for him there at Leipzig uh, anymore. And now um, they look like a, a, a very stable, um, very uh, well-playing team. Well, they, they are. And they're doing it without Connie Lima, who's arguably their most important player uh, as well. He's injured at the moment. But yeah, there's another guy up front who scores a lot of goals. And I think as long as you have Christopher Nkunku in your side, you always have a pretty good chance of, of winning a lot of games his free kick um, to open the scoring in a 3-1 away win at Hoffenheim was an absolute uh, beauty he scored an easier one later on but yeah there's something about that formation which is also quite fluid this is also a 4-2-2 if you will but it's more I think an old school 4-4-2 really because Nkunku just plays off Silva uh, in the shadow striker role uh, it works really well and they have Top players, um, arguably, maybe the squad is even better than Dortmund's. I think it's very similar in terms of overall quality. And yeah, if they can make up that gap, then who knows? Maybe they will give Bayern a bit of a run for the money. But having qualified for the Champions League, I think, is already a big, big achievement. And as you said, that three-two win over Real Madrid felt like a big sort of coming of age for this team under under Marco Rosa. So 
a good week for for RB Leipzig. We should quickly discuss, I think, that there is stuff happening behind the scenes. Oliver Minzlaff, who was uh, the CEO of the club, is going to be one of the new three CEOs of Red Bull, the corporation. Now, you might think, what's the difference? Um, there is there is, a, there is a difference because... Oh, yeah, spot the difference. <laughs> spot the difference. <laughs> Helped by Raphael Honigstein. <laughs> that, that could be okay. a new, new feature for next uh, next week. But um, no, I mean, Red Bull is, is a billion euro company with loads of investments in clubs and media and Oliver Minster will oversee all the non-soft drink part of the business and non-financial parts. So a hugely influential position, arguably the most powerful position in sports uh, in terms of the amount of teams that he will take care of, including Formula One and all, all these um, weird uh, sports that they have with people jumping from <laughs> mountains and whatever. Um, from space. From space, yeah. And that will leave a big gap at uh, RB Leipzig. And it's going to be interesting to see who's going to fill that. Uh, they have Max Eberl, of course, coming in as a new sporting director. But you wonder if Eberl maybe will do a bit more and become almost a CEO of the, of, uh, the, the club. I, I doubt it. Um, um, but but um, we are there this speculation that uh, Ruven Schröder, um, who um, stepped out of uh, at Schalke, uh, will join him as a as a sports director. But I think the interesting message with Minzlaff, with the new Minzlaff role, is um, that there will uh, also in the future there will be a lot of money for um, uh, sports activities of Red Bull, and that includes the the football teams, and that includes RB Leipzig. So, because some of, some people were speculating, are now under uh, a new leadership, uh, probably um, the interest in in uh, football will wane, or so, uh, or or they will even. A drop sports or whatever, and that won't happen. Yeah, no, absolutely right to make that point. And maybe we can now speculate in the other direction. Maybe with Minzlaff in charge, they will go even harder and say, you know what, let's really, within the possibilities of financial fair play or <laughs> whatever um, goes for that these days, that they will try actually to really have a go and do the sort of stuff that probably was last done in the Bundesliga when Dortmund went public as a company in the late 90s and then started spending hundreds of millions in an, in, in an attempt to catch up with Bayern, effectively bankrupting themselves a little bit later, but with Red Bull behind. And they spent about 320 million euros, I think, on sports. Not all of it on football, not all of, all of it on Leipzig, of course, but maybe they can be even be even stronger. So no surprise that you could say they have some really good players. But the player of the week for me is somebody else. Not playing for Leipzig, not playing for Bayern Munich, not playing for Leverkusen or Union, but uh, my man of the week is Sebastian Rode. Why Sebastian Rode? Because... He 
I do know. Did, did you see? Uh, did you see uh, Frankfurt playing at, at at Sporting Lisbon? Of course. And was it an impressive performance by Sebastian Rode in the second half? I mean, he was he was man of the match, although he only came in um, at halftime. He didn't score a goal. He didn't set up a goal. But but it, I, I I I mean, it's it's very rare that you see a single player turning a game round in a fashion like he did. And and yesterday, or on, uh, on, on Saturday in Augsburg, he also scored a goal when um, Frankfurt was winning there after being uh, winning 2-1 after being 1-0 down. And so I think it was very much the Sebastian Rode week. But I, I, I was I was really deeply impressed by, by him. And also because it's not, I mean, he is not an artist of football. To, no, no. So he he is normally he is a, a yeah he's a, he's a hard laborer. I mean he's um, he's picking up he has been picking up uh, zillions and millions of injuries during his career, and because he is always in the middle of of a good fight on the football pitch. But um, this performance, I I think uh, he, how he played in Lisbon, you can frame it and put it on the wall and it's uh, and look at it forever because it was just fantastic yeah um i don't think we we can be but impressed with how how well he's been playing this week and uh, he's one of the factors why frankfurt are overachieving question mark certainly achieving certainly performing really really well uh, oliver glasner uh, so that the austrian version of uh, was fischer Uh, almost, I think, in the sense that he doesn't come across as somebody that you notice necessarily in the press conferences. But I think if there was any doubt that he's a top-class manager after winning the Europa League, what he's doing this season and also playing well in the Bundesliga, which I thought was beyond this team personally, um, you have to say that's been hugely impressive. Um, but but coming back to um, uh, my man Sebastian Rode, is he a, is he a player for Hansi? Because we have all these um, now until Thursday we have all these dis discussions. The Füllkrug question: uh, Will Nicholas Füllkrug uh, uh, go to Qatar? And uh, I don't know who else. Um, I, not a serious question about Rode, but but who will be your dark horse um, for the German national team to go to Qatar? Yeah, I don't think we'll see. I don't think we'll see Sebastian Rode um, unless a lot of players, God forbid, get injured in the next uh, couple of games. But Niklas Füllkrug, I would say yes. I think he will make the squad. His Goal again was was great. Uh, Werder full stop had a great game against uh, Schalke, and maybe we'll talk about that right at the end. But I think that Flick doesn't really lose anything from taking him. He's going to be an option. He's going to be something different. If you have to chase the game, if you're playing against an ultra defensive Japan and it's still nil nil with 20 minutes to go, why not bring on? Niklas Füllkrug and then put in some crosses and see what he can do. So I think he'll be there. Mario Götze I think has a really good chance of making it as well. He's been playing really well 
recently. Uh, I'd be less confident about him than Fulkup, but I think he's got a good chance. But who might be the surprise pick and certainly the surprise package at the World Cup, I think could be Yusufa Mukuku. Mm-hmm. because he scored again. He scored... Uh, one of the goals was absolutely beautiful, and one of the two goals against uh, your beloved Falfa Bochum. Sorry for bringing this up now. Um, he'd been told that... Uh, what's Riemann's first name? Sebastian? No. Manuel. Yeah. He'd been told that Manuel Riemann likes to come out, come out um, of his goal by Edin Terzic and then did what Lars Ricken famously did in the 1997 Champions League final, which is to have this wonderful floating ball, although his was slightly hit differently. doesn't matter. But I think he will he make the World Cup. I think he is the closest that... We in the Bundesliga and in Germany have now for a striker who bridges the gap and sort of has one foot in each world. He can play, but he can also score really goal, really great goals. He's a little bit more complete and versatile than than Füllkrug, and I think he will definitely make the squad and maybe he will even start he is now even more an option when team because Timo Werner is is heavily injured and will miss the world cup and uh, a, a player that uh, Hansi Flick has uh, relied on um, deeply over over a long time he he was always um helping him even when he was in a in in a, in a crisis and so um but but no, yeah, I I, I totally agree. I think it's Mukoko's a uh, chance to uh, to be the the man at in in Qatar for for the German national team. But yeah, uh, now now we're we're entering the red light district or the red lantern district. Yeah, it's um, a district that you are very familiar with. Um, yes, in, in in strict football terms. Of course, because it, yes, uh, of course, of in, course, of in, course. In Germany, we say uh, red. Uh, the team whose bottom is the the red light or the red lantern, and uh, who is bottom at the moment? Schalke. It is almost <laughs> far Bochum. Bochum, almost, but it is yeah. actually big neighbors. Is that fair to say? Uh, Schalke yeah, yeah. Mafia. I mean, <clears throat> uh, Christoph, the- explain something to me. I'm not an expert in in these areas. Um, but if you're fighting against relegation, is the best idea to try to get the manager from the other team who's also fighting against relegation? Is it because you weaken them and then you have a better chance? Or is this a special case? Um, what, what's going on there? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very interesting question you bring up here. I mean... Um, uh, Thomas Reis, the, uh, the the Bochum coach who, who gave Bochum a, a, fan, a fantastic first season in the Bundesliga, brought Bochum to the Bundesliga. So he will always be in our hearts. But um, Schalke want to lure him away in summer, and and uh, Reis was 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 open to to these offers. They were refused, and he agreed and. And now, some weeks later, they kicked him out because uh, the the results were terrible. 
and now uh, he is signed by uh, Schalke and something <laughs> interesting um, happened because now he played against two teams he already lost with Bochum this season that was uh, um, Freiburg and Bremen and he plays before this uh, World Cup break against Mainz and Bayern also two teams he already lost with Bochum against and ah, but the Bochum, so Bochum Bayern game was very close Ah so. yes, the seven nil. I mean, uh, that was uh, yeah, it was a was, very was tight race. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So um, yeah, and um, so so it's an it's an interesting plan that um, uh, that Schalke is having. Also, Bochum is having an interesting plan. And I, my impression is that they try to to break this record, this famous record of Hanover '96 in the '80s. Um, because um, <laughs> um, Hanover had um, 17 penalties against them uh, in that season, and that's an all-time record. And Bochum has already nine against them, um, and it's not even the middle of the season, so uh, maybe uh, um, they will end the season with a new uh, record and... Uh, But I don't think they will end the season in the Bundesliga. I'm not too optimistic about it. Well, as, Although, long as, as long as they don't break Tasmania Berlin's record. No, I mean, they're not that bad. And, I, 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 and also this uh, 3-0 defeat. Uh, and that's also true for, uh, for Schalke. Um, both teams played with a, a lot of heart and with a lot, very good mentality uh, this weekend, to be honest. So it's it, it's a bit unfair to joke about them. But on, uh, on the other side, I mean, they are, um, I, I think they are by far the worst teams in the Bundesliga. You'd like me to disagree, but I can't. Well, I think that sums things up, uh, Christoph, on a really happy note, uh, maybe not for <laughs> for you so not much, but uh, not for Schalke. I mean, I, I hope that Schalke will somehow find a way because I think the Bundesliga is better off with them. But it oh, will be... Next okay, question. Um, yeah, and with Bochum, of course. I mean, we, we need Bochum, Christoph, because otherwise, where where's your interest in, in this league? Well, if you are invested in the fortunes or misfortunes of Alfred Bochum as much as Christoph is, you will be pleased to know um, that there will be another round of matches coming up very soon. Uh, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Englische Woche, as we call it uh, in Germany, because it is still a bit of a, a novelty or something exceptional when we have midweek football, um, as the English do uh, more frequently. Um, and we'll be back as well on Thursday with another exciting special midweek edition of Beer and Honey. But we also need your help because like most good Bundesliga clubs, we rely on our supporters and we need your help to keep us going. Now, the way to do this, if you go to www.steadyhq.com and search for Beer and Honey to find us and support us, we will also send the link out via our social media channels. Um, you can become a supporter. You can help us out. And we will, in turn, provide you with some very cool merchandising and exclusive podcasts that are only available to you as a paid-up supporter. So please support Beer and Honey now. Well said.
Raphael. Thank and, you so much. And uh, thanks for listening. And uh, thanks for supporting us. And we're really looking forward to... No, we don't see you again. We'll talk to you again. Talk to you again. Exactly. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Cheers. Oh.